When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Poetry Questions TPQ20, where we sit down with your favorite authors to talk about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. My name is Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. How are you doing today? I'm well. How are you doing? We are doing wonderful. Thank you so much for uh, rescheduling yeah. with us. Thank you so much for hanging Absolutely. out with us. Absolutely. My pleasure. Yeah. So I'm Chris. And I'm Courtney. And we uh, run the Poetry Question. And, and welcome to TPQ20. Yeah, welcome to TPQ20. So Thank we you. always like to start things off by saying, you know, our audience, some of our audience may be new to you. So if that were the case. What would be an introduction to kind of who you are and maybe a little bit into your world? Like the bio that's maybe not your publicist bio. Tell us everything. Let's see. I am a poet and I just released my sixth book. It's called The Hurting Kind. And for the last seven years or so, I've been primarily just making poems and giving readings and speaking at universities and doing some virtual teaching. And I lived in New York for a long time, about 10 years. And then I came to Kentucky, I guess I'm in Lexington, Kentucky, and I've been here since 2011. So it's almost been 11 years. And yeah, I primarily make poems for a life. (laughs) And let's see, I also am the host of a podcast called The Slowdown, which is a podcast that is every weekday. It's five minutes every weekday. And it features me sort of providing a little context for a poem. And that is, that's part of my other sort of life is to support and encourage and cheerlead poems in the world so that people can, can get them delivered to them on a regular basis. So you had a big smile, obviously podcast land, obviously you can't see your face in podcast land, but you had a big smile on both times in there where you kind of said you get to do poetry for a living. Yeah. Did you ever think you would get to do poetry for a living? I did not. No. When did you kind of make that like mental shift that this this could actually be a thing? You know, I, I think that things started to shift for me when my book Bright Dead Things was nominated for the National Book Award in 2015. And suddenly people were asking if I could give readings, if I could go places. And I, of course, like all poets said yes to everything. <laughs> um, I did a lot of tours with loading up, <laughs> loading up my uh, my trunk with books and driving all over the place and giving readings. And, um, and it started to feel like maybe it was possible to make a life out of that. But I still at that point was doing a lot of freelance work and I was also teaching at various universities here and there. So it's still an ongoing thing. It's also something that I don't know, you know, it shifts and, and will change. And But right now it's primarily how I, I make my life. So yeah, it's, it's been pretty remarkable. Now in that, in that time where you were trying to figure out or where you were just saying yes to everything, were there things in there looking back at now that you maybe wish you hadn't said yes to? 
And you don't have to be very specific if you don't want to. But No, no, there wasn't things that I wish I hadn't said yes to. I think that I'm really grateful for all the experiences that I had, even the ones that sort of taught me a lesson, you know, like, okay, next time, try not to say yes to meeting with 50 students in one day, you know, or something like that. I think the biggest thing now is that I do have to protect myself from a fair amount of burnout because I think that I didn't know, and I think a lot of poets don't know, it's that, oh, but with poetry. So it feeds my soul. And I have, there's, why, how could I ever get exhausted doing something that I love and feeds my soul? And I think that, you know, the older Ada now knows that, oh, travel, <laughs> it's because travel is exhausting. So I think that it's not so much that I would have said no to things, but I think that I didn't know that I didn't have just an endless supply of energy <laughs> to give to other people. And so now I'm, I have to protect myself a little bit more and, you know, make space for making poems, which is actually the thing I care about the most, which is the making of poems. I think sometimes that's part of the learning process for ourselves that you have to like go through it before you can really understand the value of it too, as a person. So I understand when you say you wouldn't have given it up but you still have to, I mean, it's hard. It's a hard lesson to learn. Yeah. I mean, and and also like, you know, a great lesson to learn in the sense that, you know, it didn't come out of really like any kind of agony. It really just was like, oh, right. I am very tired. (laughs) And so I've had to. You are so valuable. Yeah. Yeah. So I've just learning to say no a little bit more. Yeah. In your process, um, thinking about your writing process as far as poetry, but also your writing process as far as the podcast goes, do they differ a lot um, as far as the selection? I'm thinking selecting poetry to talk about. What does that look like for you? Yeah, those the writing process and and then working on the slowdown are very different for me, which is great, I think, actually. So I feel like if I'm writing poems, I very much want to be alone. I don't know about you guys, but I feel very much like I just want to be spacey and not see anyone. And I want to nap and maybe read some poems and go outside and look at things. And it's a very sort of intimate and isolating experience in the best way. And then when I'm choosing slowdown, you know, I'm thinking about the audience. I'm thinking I'm reaching outward. I'm thinking about who, you know, would appreciate a poem. I'm thinking about someone driving along and listening to the podcast and maybe what they need to hear. And so oftentimes I'm thinking, okay, what's, what are my friends talking about? What are the things that are circling around in us right now as we go through this new stage of the pandemic and people are returning to things and also getting sick and all of these things and, and also making poems and making art and surviving and, and living the life. So I think a lot of it is about working on making things that have an implied audience in them. Whereas when I make poems, I'm not always thinking about the other. I'm often just in my head and in my heart and in my body and really trying to sort of listen deeply, which is sort of a different way of receiving the world. Definitely. And do you have me for, for, you know, you have to choose a poem a day. What is this bucket of poems? What does it look like? You know, is it, do you just kind of like reach in and find, you know, here are the five I'm doing this week, or is there a very scripted process to it? Well, I choose a lot of different poems. You know, oftentimes I'll just sit down. I have a big spreadsheet of all the journals that I love and, and I'll just sometimes just go online and, 
and read and read and read and read. Or sometimes I'll get the hard copies and read from there and choose poems from from hard copies or new books that are out or arcs. And then and then both of my producers, the producer I worked with prior, Jennifer Lai, and the producer I work with now, Micah Kielbon, are fabulous. And they also will choose poems and they put them in the maybe pile and they'll say, what about these? And so I get to sort of sit down sometimes and look at those and they're always excellent. And so from there, every week I choose 10. And I mean, we have a wonderful Susanna Sharpless who works at doing all of our permissions. And so she has to reach out to everybody oh my God. and get all the permissions. I mean, it's quite a process. You yeah. The team is really amazing. And so then when we have a, a file that has basically all the ones that are ready to go, that we have permissions, then we do pronouncers. So we make sure that I can pronounce everybody's name, anything <laughs> that's in the poems that are that I may have trouble with. You'd be surprised, like the, the words that you just know, you absolutely know, you know. And then you're like, oh no, that is not how you say that. Um, I've been saying that wrong for years. Um, so that's interesting. And then from there, I script 10 episodes, send them in. And my uh, Micah and our editor and producer, Beth Perlman, she, they both edit and make suggestions and go through everything. And then at the very end of all that, I approve the edits and then we sit down and I record and uh, we record together. It's about, it's about a two and a half hour process where we do all 10 episodes. We're usually very rarely do we go over that. Sometimes we do. Sometimes I'm just having a day where I'm sure you guys know where none of the words are coming out right. And I suddenly just can't, I can't read a poem to save my life. So can I ask what were some of the most surprising words for you? Oh, I pride myself on knowing birds <laughs> and if you read my work, you know that mm -hmm. I really love animals and I have always been told that it is a plover, but apparently it is a plover. <laughs> like, and the only way that I could remember it is by saying that it rhymes with Don <laughs> with Danny Glover. <laughs> that makes me, thank you for that. I've been mispronouncing that word as well. So yeah, it's plover. plover. And thank you for the reminder. <laughs> I need like mnemonic devices like that to help like, yeah. Oh, it's real. Myself. Yeah. <laughs> That's how my um, child and I learned how to spell every spelling word they were ever sent home. <laughs> yeah. And then there are words that you can kind of, you can choose, you know, you can choose, you can, they'll say, oh, you can pronounce it either way. And that one's always a little tough because you try to go with what you think the poet meant sonically when they compose the poem, you know? Right. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> so beyond the world of learning new words through the slowdown, what do you find, you know, you've had obviously very different stages of your writing career and your poetry career in a, you know, fairly compact amount of time from, you know, car travels to the slowdown. You know, what do you think has been that, that pitfall or what do you think was the, that lesson learned or the biggest lesson learned, you know, that got you to the next day of poetry? What kind of helped you along the way keep going and know that it was okay to write one more poem? And what advice would you give uh, to the next poet coming or the next podcaster? Or Yeah, uh, I think for me, that's a great question. I think for me, it's um, it's very much about that. Whatever happens to your work, as personal as it can feel, whether someone loves it or someone hates it or someone gives you a glowing review and it's awarded something, or if someone despises it and gives you a negative review, it doesn't actually have anything to do with you. And it, that sounds really harsh and it doesn't, it actually feels 
untrue because we're so like our poems are us, right? I mean, I will tell you, my poems are very personal. They're very much me. But a lot of that stuff, the stuff that happens on the other end of making the poem, the publicity stuff, the marketing stuff, all of that is, it can be wonderful. It can be grueling. It can be delightful. But I think at the end of the day, the thing that matters the most is that you care about your own work and that what you're doing matters to you. And I think if you continually do that and remind yourself that you get to write poems, that this is amazing that you get to sit down and write a poem and how many people, you know, are working the night shift and working the, you know, the graveyard shift and sleeping and try and they're not, they don't, there's no time for a poem. Maybe they could squeeze one in, but, you know, I feel like we have to remember that getting to do this is a real gift. And I think um, the highs and lows that come are, are not about what brought us to the page in the first place. And so it's always about remembering that the making of the thing is what will give us the most satisfaction and pleasure in our life. I like that answer a lot. Thank you for that answer. That's beautiful. What excites you right now? What poets are coming out? You know, what books are coming out or not books are coming out? Poets that we should know about or uh, what's out there that that you'd like to tell us about? Um, And then maybe a little bit about your book that's coming out. Yeah, there's so many books. It's funny. I just, I have a list and I brought them all downstairs because I was, um, I was going through them to, to (laughs) do slowdown poems. Let's see. I'm looking around. There's so many. It's like, it's hard for me to keep track, but I feel like one of the poems are poets that I really love that actually just won a few awards now is the Diane Seuss book, Frank Sonnets, which I just think is incredible. And it's one of those books that it's just deserving of all the recognition that it's getting. So, you know, I would highly recommend if readers have not been paying attention to it to to spend some time with it. On the DL, I got I just got a new manuscript from Ross Gay, which I'm incredibly excited about. And that is going to, I just think it's going to be incredible. That's really exciting. It's a really, really exciting. Yeah. So there's, I mean, there are so many that I'm just, I believe Franny Choi has a new book coming out. Uh, Saeed Jones has a book coming out in September. Paul Tran has a book that just came out, which is phenomenal. Oh, I could keep going. It's it's hard because li- it's literally all I do is read all these books. So, and they're just a gift. I'm just, I'm so excited. Yeah. So those are, those are some just off the, off the top of my head. Well, and then to end things, how about you? Your book is on its way. Yeah, I actually already have my copy. I'm very excited about it. It's so beautiful. It's a hardcover. Oh, nice. And it is. Congratulations. Thank you. It's gorgeous. My um, mother did the cover. Um, You can't see us because we're in podcast land, but uh, (laughs) it's a beautiful gray cover with sort of um, not necessarily a bird, but a gesture of a bird, if you will. And it's called The Hurting Kind. It's out from Milkweed on May 10th. And I think for me, it's a book about really the interconnectedness of all of us. I think it's a book of sort of surrendering to the larger world. Um, In some ways, it's decentering the self a little bit more than some of my earlier books have done. It's also a book of honoring the ancestors and the animals. Well, and if you had to give a nickname of poetry to one bird, what would that bird be? A nickname of poetry? Ooh, that's so tough. That's a good, great, it's a great question. I didn't know that one was coming. I know. Oh, I don't know. 
I'm going to say something. And of course there's a thousand different options, but I'm going to say something just because I, I just was watching them in Cape Cod and, but I'm going to say the gannet. I mean, if you know, it's, it's a seabird, it's a water bird and it dives really at fast speed into the ocean to get fish. And because of that, you will think it's a whale. You'll think it's like this mm-hmm. enormous animal, this like blowhole, but it's actually gannets diving into the, and they're going so fast. And so I think for me, that sort of metaphor of like doing that deep dive quickly and sort of furiously. And then also like the splash becomes like, you think it's this amazing beast. And it's just like, it's just a little bird being like, yeah, I just dove so fast. You thought it was a whale. Awesome. I love that. I was trying. <laughs> Think of something transformative, like something that was more than one thing. Yeah. And that kind of captures That's awesome. that. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us today on TPQ20. It's been an absolute pleasure. What a joy. Thank you so much. Thank and you. I'm a big fan. So keep up oh, the great work. Awesome. We look forward to all that comes from you. Have a great rest of the day. We thank you too. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to the Poetry Questions TPQ20. Please like, rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week.